0: title of my message this morning is Jesus who is this man (laughs) Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 will be our golden text verse 6 rather for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I need all those amens today. There's much that is said and written about concerning the date of the birth of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad nobody who came up here in front today said, Happy Birthday, Jesus. Because the truth is that Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. I guess any person who studies and researches the Bible will agree that the accuracy of the birth of Jesus is a difficult one to determine for several understandable reasons and legitimate reasons. That being true, we agree, however, including even the critics that the birth of Jesus is a historical fact. And there's more than enough proof And more than enough evidence to this regard. There is biblical evidence. There's historical evidence. Archaeological evidence. There's evidence from ancient writings. You'll even see there's evidence from prophecies. That Jesus was born and lived on earth is a fact. That's why we're here today. His birth actually... Changed the course of the history of the world forever. And his life, his works, his impact is unparalleled by no other person. No other person's life, works and impact has changed the world like Jesus changed the world. In fact, it was foretold or prophesied about his birth, his life, his death and his resurrection. And this happened thousands of years prior to his birth. These prophecies spent over thousands of years from different sources, a different dispensation, from different people. And all of these were just a testimony that he is the one. And to prove that he is the one, each of these prophecies had to be fulfilled. And when you read the Bible, you'll know that in Jesus, it was over 353 prophecies that were fulfilled, each one of them. To the core and to the T. I'll give you just a sample of these prophecies and even some of the things that Christ himself said and statements he made about himself. In Psalms 40 verse 7, as a prophecy that was given by David, but speaking as Jesus, he says, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. So Jesus said, you'll see in the volume of these holy writings written about me. In Revelation 19.10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In Luke 24 verse 44, Jesus said, All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. And in the Psalms concerning me. And so everything written in the law of Moses, in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning Christ, each one of them was fulfilled without any exception. In Luke 24 verse 7, Jesus says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to his disciples, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then when he spoke to the people at the time in John 5, 46, he says, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for Moses wrote of me. And in Acts 10, 43, Luke writes, to give all the prophets witness. These prophecies that were fulfilled concerning Jesus, started beginning with his birth. In Genesis 3, 15, we were told of him that he would be born of a virgin. We also read prophecies in the Old Testament that would foretell that he would be the seed of David. In other words, he would come from the family line of David. Prophecies told us that as God, he would be clothed in the body of mere men. And he would come down on earth to live among frail human beings. That's Emmanuel, God with us, God among us. Prophecies talked about his earthly ministry. How he would come and minister on the earth. And he would minister in power and authority. Prophecies talked about him. That he would die on the cross. Destroy the works of the devil. He would die on the cross for sinful men. And all who believe in him would be saved from their sin. If you are here today and you are searching for answers in your life. And you have a sense of being discontented in your heart not sure about your relationship with God, you need to search no longer. Because today, when you leave this service, you can have that question answered once and for all today. There were prophecies that came that Jesus would die on the cross for sinful men and and all who believe on him would be saved from their sin. Prophecies came that said he would die and rise from the dead and that one day he would return to take his people to heaven with him. Wow, this man's life shook the world. This man's life transformed the world. Even those who try to criticize and say all kinds of things, they cannot dispute the fact that there is no other man just like him. We read actually in the book of Luke the narration of his birth, which is beautifully recorded in Luke chapter 1, and I want to read it from the New American Standard Bible from verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, the virgin's name was Mary. In these days, people would get engaged like we do today. But in their case, their engagement was that they had already done all that was required in terms of what's required for marriage. So they were already married. And and even though they were already married, according to the practice of the time, they could not necessarily count themselves as fully married before their marriage was consummated through sexual intercourse. So they would be engaged in inverted commas, they are married, but they would wait for a period living separately from each other and never engaging in sexual contact whatsoever until a proper celebration would be made. So, in this instance, Mary was already married to Joseph. All right? And according to the rules of the time. So, the angel comes to this girl who's a virgin. Verse 28, and coming in, the angel said to her, Greetings. I love it in the King James. It says, you are highly favored of the Lord. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering, what kind of greeting is this? The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Somebody said, do not be afraid. You see, God's kingdom is not a kingdom of fear. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen in the house? Even when God appears and when angels appear, they will always tell you, don't be afraid. He says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Hey. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now note verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now you need to note. Earlier on, there's a man by the name of Zechariah, who was a high priest, all right? And he was married to Elizabeth. Both of them didn't have children, and now they were very old. Zechariah, one day, as he was going on with his priestly duties in the temple, an angel appeared to him. And the angel spoke to him like it spoke to Mary and told him that you and your wife, in your old age, you are going to conceive and have a child. Now it's amazing, the statement that Zachariah made, you know, it's almost similar to the statement that Mary made. Mary says to the angels, not what she says, she said, how can this be? That's what she said. Let me go back. How can this be since I'm a virgin? You see, it's not a, it's not a question of doubt. It's a question, because he says, Listen, I, she's a married woman, she hasn't slept with her husband, so how am I going to get pregnant without sleeping with a man? It's not a question of doubt. But in the case of Zachariah, his question was a question of doubt. He says, how can it be? You know, in other words, God says, I'm going to give you a child, even if you're old, I'm going to make it happen. He says, Ah n-ek. So what does the angel do? The angel makes him not to be able to talk from that day. The angel says, okay. And you are not going to talk until the child is born. So when Zachariah came out of the temple to come and address the people, the people were shocked. The guy couldn't speak. So he had to do sign language. You see sign language? I call You see. So he had to do sign language. And the people realized he had seen something. But in the case of Mary... She's asking a practical question. There's a difference between a practical question and a doubt-filled question. And God doesn't mind what you ask him, a practical question. Look at somebody and say, you can be like Mary too. Even if you're quiet, you can be like Mary too. (laughs) The angel says, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin, Mary said to the angel, rather. And the angel answered and said to her, you see, the angel is answering because it's not a question of doubt. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Oh, Jesus and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and when the Holy Spirit overshadows you, life can only be the result of that. Yeah, that's why when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we also conceive a thing called vision. Oh, we conceive something called purpose. Eh? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are not the same again. We get filled with expectation called pregnancy. It says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and will come upon you. And he says that holy thing that you will give birth to shall be called the son of God. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. I'm prophesying to somebody, those of you who were once called barren, may the Holy Spirit overshadow you today in the name of Jesus. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Note what Mary says, verse 38. And Mary says, behold, born slave of the Lord, may it be done To me according to your word. Wow. I was still in Bontedem Conto this morning, you know, as we're driving this way and I said, you know, I think when I've been looking at the history of the world and everything going on in the world and all the predictions of the experts, particularly this year, you know, I I realized that even experts are wrong. Sometimes, many times, and the reason i was saying this is because coming down here is raining cats and dogs. You remember what they were telling us about El Nino? You remember that the experts they predicted? They said this year is El Nino a year, no rain. El Nino, no rain. Yeah, and I remember one expect I was listening to the guy, and he said the rain will only come three years from now. Hey, it was a lot of El Nino. How, spaghetti? And Mamoza, but why he says, no, because you see the wind is shifting this way and the pole and the polar water and the whatever and the whatever. And when we had El Nino tina, sati, no, for tea now, no, no, he that was called barren will give birth in Jesus' name. And here we are today, El Nino, all old, old, no, no El Nino. It's raining. I know we're not out of the drought yet, but God is bigger than the experts. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. No word from God is void of power. Nothing shall be impossible. I want to be like Mary and say, be it unto me according to thy word. Mzalona, believe God's word instead of an expert. Believe God's word instead of believing men. Can I hear an amen? No, I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not saying we mustn't take what the experts are saying as true. But I say sometimes take it with a pinch of salt. When they look at you and they say, according to our studies, according to our psychometric test, you will never amount to anything. Look at them and say, I am made in the image of God and I'm going to amount to something. Yeah. Sometimes the experts are wrong. They are wrong about you. They are wrong about your future. They are wrong about your destiny. They are wrong about what is going to happen in your life. And you are being silly when you believe what they say. You believe God more than the expect. Be it unto me according to you. That's what Mary said. Mary didn't seem to be surprised. That the Messiah was to come. Rather she was surprised that she would be. His mother. Since she was a virgin she didn't know a man and so the angel didn't rebuke her like it rebuked Zachariah this indicates that Mary didn't doubt the angel's words but merely wanted to know how such an event would be accomplished and the answer was the holy spirit will creatively bring about the physical conception of jesus Oh, that's what the Holy Spirit does, my goodness. When it comes upon you, he brings creativity and life. Eh? Hey, when people were about to, to tell you and conclude about you, the Holy Spirit just brings about something new. so come by ever shaya ding dong. Can I hear an amen in that? This miraculous conception and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ was necessary. Why did it happen? Because Jesus was God and man. man, 100% God. Jesus had to be born like the first Adam. Remember, the first Adam was created by God. In his blood, in his veins, it was the blood of God that flowed in his veins. The Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. So he had to be born like the first Adam. And so if human beings were involved in this, it would be a problem. And so God did an artificial insemination. Planted Jesus in the womb of Mary. It was important that this man who would be born, he would have no trace of human blood in him. No trace of sin in him. But not only that, this one who was to be born, not only was he just man, he was also God. It was a God who became man, planted in the womb of a human being that he created. He was there before Mary was born. He was there before Mary was conceived. It was a God who humbled himself and allowed his own creation to conceive him and to give birth to him and raise him and teach him and instruct him like a child because he was a God who came to be among us. His name is Jesus. So Jesus is the mystery of history. And he had unpredictable impact. Jesus is the inescapable one. Through his life, when you look at his ministry, he influenced principalities and powers. When he came into the world, the spirit world shook. When he came into the world, principalities and powers shook. Demons knew who he was. Demons responded to who he was. The same way demons know who he is even today. When Jesus came into the world, he changed the order of religion. When Jesus came into the world, he changed human relations. When Jesus came into the world, he changed the course of history. He influenced politics. He changed culture. He affected science and nature. He challenged governments of the world. When Jesus came into the world, he did what medicine couldn't do. He did what education couldn't do. Let's talk about a few of those things. When Jesus came into the world, he changed religion. This man, Jesus... Who came into the world? When he came into the world and started ministering at the age of 33, at the age of 30, the religious environment in which Jesus had come to do ministry was one where the religious leaders had moved away from the heart of what was proclaimed in the scripture. See, we as human beings, we have a tendency to take what God has said and add other things to it and hold on to our formulas and our processes and neglect what God had said. At the time, people had misunderstood the spirit of the Holy Scriptures and had thus formed a religious belief system that imprisoned people instead and moved people far from God. What they did was they took the letter of the word and they missed the spirit of the word. They went for laws and rules and processes and do's and don'ts and forgot that the law and what God was doing was about love, compassion, and forgiveness. Let me give you some few instances. In Luke 13, we see when Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath day. Wow! The Bible tells us in Luke 13, when you read from verse 10. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Somebody say on the Sabbath. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) Say it one more time. It says, and there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent over double and she couldn't straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are free from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which you must work or work should be done. So you must come during those six days and get healed and not on the Sabbath day. You hypocrite. This woman has been coming to your church for the last 18 years and you never got her healed. She'd been going to this church. Never got anything. And he's getting upset because she was healed on the wrong day. That was the religious environment in which people were. People were more concerned about processes than the move of God. Concerned about man-made laws. But you see, Jesus is not going to text this one lying down. He says, but the Lord answered and said to him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath day untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? Hmm? on the Sabbath day you say we mustn't do anything but you take your donkeys your mbongolos and your oxen and you make them go get water he says and this woman a daughter of Abraham as she is whom Satan has bound for 18 long years she should not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day so you don't mind looking after your animals on the Sabbath day but not a human being made in the image of God and as he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated and the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Jesus upset the religious world. <laughs> the pastors were angry. The congregation was happy. <laughs> they were going, hallelujah. Because Jesus, when he came, I think the world wasn't ready for him. See, Jesus consistently challenged a form of religion. That was consumed in man made procedures and missed the call, which is helping people. And that's the challenge we have with religion. We can like our processes and like our form and never believe in the power of what we preach. Yeah. We're here, Barcelona, not to congregate around a person. We're here, Barcelona, not to lift up a human being. We're here, Barcelona, to lift up the name of Jesus. We are here, Vassalina, to receive a touch from God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. On another occasion, he challenged the Pharisees and the experts of the law in Matthew 15, verse 1 to 9. The Pharisees and the experts in the law came to Jerusalem, to Jesus, and said to him, Why do your disciples disobey the tradition of the elders? Underline that. For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them and said Why do you also disobey the commandments of God Because of your tradition For God had said Honor your father and your mother And whoever insults his father or mother Must be put to death Now read this Let me read this for you But you say if someone tells his father or mother Whatever help you would have received from me Is given to God He does not need to honor his father I'll explain that to you Jesus says, you have nullified the word of God on account of your tradition. Hypocrite. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And they worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What is Jesus talking about? Let me explain to you. See, they were concerned about his disciples eating without washing hands. And the instruction to wash hands when you eat was not a commandment from God. It was a practice that the church elders had come up with. So they were enforcing something that was man made. Even if it was necessary, it, was not, it had nothing to do with you going to heaven. Is that like today people arguing about things that have nothing to do with heaven? Whether we are very red or very yellow, it has nothing to do with heaven. How we are It has got nothing to do with anything. People arguing about when you baptize, do you put them three times, four times? Do you put them once? Do you drown them? Do you marinate them? What do you do? But that's what religion does. But then they had taught people, and let me explain this. The law had clearly stated that you must honor your father and your mother. And honor in the Bible has to do with physically, not only respect, but physically giving something to them. You honor by giving. But the young people at this time, when they didn't, when they disliked their parents, instead of giving to their parents, they would take that item to the temple to consecrate it to the Lord. And the priests allowed it, fully knowing what was going on. So Jesus says, you're allowing them to do that. You're not correcting them. Mara, you are talking about the washing of hands. Chin betun. No, it's not in the Bible. It's me who's saying it. Yeah. But I think he must have said that he was from the instant came. Chin betun. So I'm telling you, when Jesus came, he upset the religious world. So the religious leader allowed people to do all kinds of things instead of children giving this gift to their parents because of disliking and dishonoring their parents. They would instead bring these others to the temple and proclaim them to be consecrated toward God. These children did not give their gifts because they loved God, but they were punishing their parents. And the religious leaders allowed it. Jesus was simply saying, you can't do that. And so Jesus became the target of the wrath of the religious world. But he maintained that the belief and the practice of the unadulterated, undiluted word of God would bring true freedom. You see, the word of God, if you don't add grass, if you don't add snakes, if you don't add doom, it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool. But we want to add stuff to the word of God that was never in the word of God. And Jesus tells them in John chapter 8, he says, if you continue in my word. Then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can I hear an amen in the house? Number two, when Jesus came into the world, he challenged human relations. religious climate and the societal climate that Jesus came to minister in had very bad human relations. There were tensions and classism among the people. And these tensions and classism unfortunately had permeated the religious fiber of the day. But if there's one thing we mustn't find in the church is classism. Yes it's true we don't all have same abilities. Yes it's true we are not all the same economically. Yes it's true we are not the same educationally. Yes it's true we are not the same place in our advancement in life. But that has got nothing to do with that has got nothing to do with the cross of Jesus Christ. The miracle of the church is that we should be sitting side by side with one another. Serving together. The miracle of the church is you can have somebody who hasn't been to school, being a department head to somebody who has an MBA. That is the church in action. The miracle of the church, you can have a lawyer preach the word of God and ask pastor sitting down listening to the lawyer. That is the church of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? In the church, there should be no Jew, there should be no Gentile, there should be no male, there should be no female, there shouldn't be any greater, any lesser. We are here all because of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Now that doesn't mean we don't honor, we do honor. But we don't get into classism. And so Jesus had to break that. In John chapter 4, he intentionally went to Samaria. To show the Jews that Samaritans needed to be related with. And then in Luke chapter 16, when he preached a story about the rich man and Lazarus. (laughs) Jesus shows how class, pomp, and prestige will not get us to heaven. But it's an open heart to God, which is the only key to heaven, rich or poor alike. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus went to visit the home of Zacchaeus, a man who was not loved in his community. Everybody talked about him because he was a chief tax collector and a rich man. You know, sometimes people make up stories when you have your ability. Yeah, when you're rich, then they say all kinds of nasty things. <laughs> they didn't know is that Zacchaeus much as he was a chief test collector and a rich man he had a hunger for God and in Luke chapter 15 Jesus intentionally came to Zacchaeus and said today I am coming to your house salvation has come to your house and at the end of that story he turns to the people he says you people haven't understood who I am verse 10 he says the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost in a world where human relations were at an all-time low, Jesus demonstrated that God loves all people and all can approach God with an honest and contract heart. Who is this man? <laughs> this man baffled science, superseded the laws of science and nature. He demonstrated that the laws of science and nature were subservient to him. He demonstrated that he was before the world was. He demonstrated that he created it all and that everything was in the palm of his hand. We see this man walking on the water. We see this man raising the dead. We see this man turning water into wine. We see this man speaking to the raging sea and causing the storm to come down. Who is this man? We see this man, Jesus, who was born defying the laws of medicine, doing what doctors couldn't do in a split second. Through the laying on of hands Incurable diseases disappeared We see this man putting clay Mixed with his saliva In the eyes of a blind man Telling the guy to go and wash his eyes And when he washed his eyes His eyes were restored You tell me how can you do that This man spoke a word To 10 men Inflicted with leprosy And all 10 of them Were healed at the command of his voice Ah, when it came to education, he baffled. The people in the educational sector of the day were told at the age of 12, he discussed the word of God with experts and doctors of the law at the age of 12. And they were astounded at his insight and his understanding of the word. And they couldn't dispute with him. We know that the word that he taught during his earthly ministry. He told us, if you embrace what I'm teaching, if you embrace my education, it will be life to you. It will be health to your body. The first kind of education is to receive what the word of God says. And if you embrace what the word of God says, add it to your physical science, add it to your math, add it to your whatever and live by the word of God first of all. Because these words, when they are believed and practiced, will result in a life that is built on the rock. He says, if you take my word and you believe my word, if you educate my, yourself with my word and practice what I told you, your life will be a life built on the rock. <laughs> Systems will come and systems will go but you will stand forever because you are not built on what you think so you are built on what the word of God says. Can I hear a good amen? And we are told when we read the New Testament that in spite of all the wealth of wisdom from Jesus that is recorded in the Bible, there is still much more that was not recorded. If it was recorded there wouldn't be enough volumes to contain his wisdom. Who is this man? Powerful as it was. Preeminent as he was. God as he was. He came into the world and redefined what being powerful is. See, when he was born, there were, there were people who were shocked that this man who supposed to be the king of the Jews is born in a stable. Why was there no five-star hotel? Why wasn't that trumpet blown before he came? Why was there no entourage and and bodyguards and armor bearers? How does he come into the world in an ordinary way like that? Why was he born of some who's who? Why be born from a poor family? The guy, Joseph, is just a mere carpenter. Trying to change the minds of people. Trying to engender a different spirit among us. He redefined what being powerful is. Not what Jesus did. Even though he was the leader of the gang. They called him master. They called him rabboni, rabbi. They looked up to him as a mentor. But Jesus bowed down one day and washed the feet of his disciples. No great person can do that because the washing of the feet was a job that was done by the least of all slaves in any household. He taught that the way to have more is to give more. Jesus says you want to have more, give more. He taught, if you want to keep your life, give it away. How Jesus? Jesus taught that the way of sacrifice is the path of God's kingdom. In a world where people don't want to sacrifice, Jesus taught the way to the kingdom is to sacrifice and lay down your life. Jesus taught in a world where people are into upward mobility and people want to be promoted at every cost. People want to be number one at any cost. Jesus taught the way to promotion is to become faithful with the little things that have been entrusted into your care. Ah, oh, Jesus is the man who came to show the world as well the character of God. We see children attracted to him. We see him loved by the non-religious, unchurched community. To a point he, he was accused of being a friend of sinners and wine by bars. A religious leader. As a priest, as a religious leader, He allowed, I put it in inverted commas, according to those days, a dirty woman who was called a sinner because of what she did. But when this woman brought a bottle of perfume and poured it on his feet, touched his feet, cried and wiped his feet with her hair, in those days you never come so close to a holy man. Much less make physical contact. Much less if you live that kind of a life. But Jesus showed God is a God who loves all. Jesus stopped at the cry of blind Bartimaeus. When you heard the cry of the blind man, he didn't just walk on, he stopped. When he was hanging on the cross for something that he hadn't done, he still had a compassion on a thief who rightfully was supposed to die. But when the thief called out, Jesus had compassion and assured him and said, tonight you'll be with me. In paradise see Jesus is a man who will not go away in all of history there's none that has been like him in all of history there is none who shall be like him that's why the Bible says unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder his name shall be called wonderful He's wonderful because he he brings good things to those whose lives are in a mess. His name shall be Counselor. He's called Counselor because he gives advice and he shows the way to those who have no way. His name is the mighty God. He's able to do what doctors cannot do, what which doctors cannot do. He's able to do what science cannot do. His name is called the everlasting father because he will always love you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. When the world walks away from you, he is there all the time. He's called the prince of peace because when he comes into your life, he brings peace in the midst of a storm in a world of trouble, in the world of calamity. When it comes into your heart, he brings peace to the troubled soul. Even if things around you are falling apart, you can have the peace that passes all understanding. Who is this man? Jesus is the one who gives hope to those groping around in darkness. Jesus is the one who came to seek and save the lost. The Bible says Jesus is still the same today. Hebrews 13 8 says Jesus the same yesterday, today and forevermore and the same Jesus is extending this invitation to you today you are here today you didn't come here by mistake you are here today, you didn't come here by your own design you came on this day where we remember the birth of Christ because this Jesus wants to introduce himself to you This Jesus is extending an invitation to you. In Matthew 11 verse 28. He says come unto me. All you who labor and are heavily laden. And I will give you rest. He'll give you rest from your toil, rest from your sins, rest from your broken life. He will give you rest from your confusion, rest from everything that's falling apart. He says, come as you are, come unto me. He says, I will give you rest. Oh, on the 5th of August, 1978, I came to know him, and I received him into my heart. And oh my God, I found rest that day at the age of 17. I was young, but my heart was troubled. I was young, but my road wasn't going anywhere. I was young, but I had so many things that worried me. But on the day when I received him, he gave me rest. And Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. You don't need to leave this place the same. He said, come. Come unto me, Jesus says. Come to him and he will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And today, it's up to you. You've already come all the way to this service. Only thing that's left is for you to take a step and say, "Lord, here I come. Get love.